This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Let's turn our attention to some of the top headlines coming out of China. And among them, China rejecting speculation that it might try to circumvent international sanctions against Russia. Shanghai going back into lockdown. And we'll also be getting the latest updates on the China Eastern crash. That occurred last week. On the line is Tan Donwei, China Bureau Chief for the Straits Times. Don, good morning. China, that's uh, rejecting speculation. It might try to circumvent international sanctions against Russia. That's the first issue we want to tackle. All this while complaining that the measures uh, have damaged normal trade relations with its key diplomatic partner. Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin, of course, made these remarks yesterday in response to a question about a Bloomberg News report that Chinese diplomats are seeking details about complying with the sanctions. Don, tell us what really is the likelihood of China helping Russia evade sanctions and in the process risking its relationship with the rest of the world? Hi, good morning. Well, there are lots of concerns that given China and Russia's close relationship and strategic partnership, China could help Russia evade sanctions that the U.S. and other countries have imposed on it. And President Joe Biden, in his virtual meeting with President Xi Jinping a week ago, also raised this issue and essentially warned Mr. Xi that there will be costs if China helps Russia out. For China, it has made very clear that it opposes sanctions and it doesn't want them to affect its national interests and that it will do what it takes to protect itself. But I think China analysts are largely in agreement that China will be sanctions compliant because it has too much to lose otherwise. Its trade with Russia is something like a tenth of its trade with the US and EU combined. So it wouldn't want to jeopardize that economic relationship just to prop up Russia. And the growth of its economy is already slowing and facing many challenges, such as a serious rash of COVID outbreaks in China. We've just seen half the financial capital of Shanghai go into lockdown and the other half on April 1st. And of course, the global situation and especially the impact this war has had on the global economy will hit the Chinese economy as well. And this is coming at a very crucial time in the Chinese political calendar because of the 20th Party Congress that will take place in October or November this year, where President Xi Jinping will seek a third term. So it all needs to look hunky-dory for him. The economy needs to be humming people's livelihoods taken care of, and its international standing secure. So back to the question of sanctions. Well, already we've seen some caution with Chinese state-owned banks pulling back from financing Russian commodities based on their own risk assessment, and its development banks also stopping loans. But it could also look for areas where lending is still possible to Russia, so that it maintains that relationship, but at the same time doesn't fall foul of the sanctions. Now, Don, Shanghai has said it will lock down each half of the city by turns for mass COVID-19 testing starting yesterday amid surging infections. This is a story we've been watching for some time. The eastern half of the city, we're talking about Around 11 million residents will go into lockdown at the start of the week for four days, while 14 million remaining people will begin their lockdown from Friday. 
Everyone's asking, Don, is there really a need for Shanghai to go into another lockdown? What's your perspective? I mean, is this announcement somewhat a bit of a U-turn for China because the whole world's moving forward with their fight against COVID-19, trying to get into an endemic state? How will this new lockdown potentially affect China's mission for economic recovery? Shanghai has gone through a few weeks of localized, smaller lockdowns, but the authorities can't seem to get a handle on the spread of the virus, and the numbers keep climbing, and it has surpassed just about every province or city in China in infection numbers. On Sunday, it recorded 3,500 cases, of which only 50 of these were symptomatic. It was raging, and because the vast majority of cases were asymptomatic, it was incredibly difficult to detect. So now the authorities have taken this drastic measure of doing a phased lockdown, starting with Pudong, the main financial center, and then moving on to the more populated Pusi. It is not a U-turn for China because China is, unlike any other country in its COVID management, it is still doggedly sticking to a zero-COVID strategy, which it now calls a dynamic zero-COVID policy because it is supposed to be slightly less draconian. But the thrust of the policy remains that it wants to stamp out infections, not live with it, and let it spread in the name of protecting people's lives. Shanghai is the financial capital of China, and keeping it running is crucial to China's economy, and that was why the authorities were reluctant to shut it down. This year, we've already seen another economically important city, Shenzhen, go into a lockdown, and parts of Jilin, which is an auto manufacturing hub, have also been put under lockdown. The Shanghai lockdown is likely to hit businesses dependent on consumer spending, and an economist cited by Bloomberg has projected that the lockdown may shave up to 0.4 percentage points from China's economic growth in the first two quarters of this year. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. We're on the line this morning with uh, China Bureau Chief of the Straits Times, Tan Don Wei. Don, uh, according to Chinese state media, the second black box has been recovered. Uh, this, of course, in relation to the crash of the China Eastern Boeing 737-800 that killed 132 people last week. Give us an update on this, Don, and what's being said about what the second black box might reveal about the jet's mysterious plunge. Over the weekend, the authorities officially declared that there were no survivors and, unfortunately, all 132 people on board the China Eastern flight had perished. Yesterday, they said that all 123 passengers and nine crew members have been identified through DNA testing. And with the two black boxes found, the focus will now turn to trying to piece together what happened to MU5735. The first black box, the cockpit voice recorder, was found last Wednesday, but investigators are not ruling out that it could be badly damaged and they may not be able to retrieve anything from it. The second black box, the flight data recorder, was found some 40 meters in the earth on Sunday, which gives you an indication of the impact of the plane as it nosedived into the ground. This black box is also pretty damaged. In fact, most of the plane disintegrated on impact, leaving a crater that was 20 meters deep and rescue workers have uncovered more than 30,000 pieces of debris. 
Quite intense investigations will happen now as it needs to produce a preliminary report within a month of the incident based on United Nations rules for the aviation sector. The U.S. National Transportation Safety Board is assisting with investigations as the plane is a Boeing plane and was designed and manufactured in the U.S., There were initial questions about whether these investigators could come to China, given its strict COVID rules and visa requirements. But yesterday, the foreign ministry said Beijing will provide visa assistance to all foreign investigators coming to China. All right, we've been speaking with Tan Donwei, China Bureau Chief for The Straits Times. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.